What's up, everyone? This is the Ready for Launch podcast, a show where we break down product launches, share our favorites, and explain why they work. We have three co-hosts on this show, Tamara Graminski, Jason Oakley, and yours truly, Andy McCotter-Bicknell. This show is brought to you by our friends at the Compete Network by Clue. And like I said, this is a podcast where we're just going to be talking about product launches. And here's how it's going to be working. So each episode is going to focus on one topic. So today's pod is about our favorite launches of 2023. The next couple are going to be about the best controversial launch and then the best sidecar product launch. And in each episode, each co-host is going to share their personal favorite launch according to each topic. Take about four or five minutes to give you context behind why it's great and then pass it to the other co-hosts. This is a competition though. So at the very end, we're going to vote to decide whose launch is indeed the best launch under that topic. And then we'll pass it back to you, the audience, and we'll share some kind of a poll on LinkedIn to get your feedback and we'll get a viewer's choice award for each launch as well. So without further ado, let's jump in. And uh, tomorrow, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the audience how this idea came about? Sure. Super fun for our show. Uh, I'm the founder of PMM Camp. It's basically a community and newsletter for product marketing leaders. I've been working as a PMM leader for the last 15 years. And of course, product launches are a big component of that. And Andy, Jason, and I have all been friends in some different iteration, like individually for the last few years, really, you know, LinkedIn friends. We started a, a little Slack channel with some other product marketing creators. And we were both on Andy's pod. And I think the idea came up like, why don't the three of us just start to collaborate a little bit, right? Even just share ideas about like, what's it like to write your newsletter every week? What tools are you using? Any ideas or learnings? And as we started to hang out a bit more, we started to realize we had this shared passion, I guess, for product launches in particular, and a real recognition that there isn't really anything out there that talks about product launch from beginning to end. How do you really think strategically about launching a product, but then actually launch it and iterate on it once it's in market? And that's where the idea for our course came from. So our course is called Ready for Launch. We've already done one cohort of it. We have another cohort coming up in March. And really, that's where it all began. Uh, but Jason, why don't we talk a little bit about why are we actually going to use examples for product launch versus maybe bringing on guests and interviewing them? Sure. Yeah. So, um, hey, everybody. My name is Jason. I I have a, a business called Productive PMM, and um, I've been a founding PMM most of my career, so the first product marketer in the seat at a company. And so that's I talked a lot about it on LinkedIn. I work with these two on our Ready for Launch course. But one thing I, I've been doing for almost a year now is I have a newsletter, and it's called PMM Files, and it's all just about sharing examples. And if from doing that, I've learned one thing. It's that people love practical examples. And when we teach our course... The more practical examples that you can bring in um, to talk about how other people have launched products and how things that worked well and didn't and all that, the more practical and real examples you can give, the better. And so we we, we kind of were thinking about it. We were like, why don't we do a podcast where every episode is us talking about real examples of launches? So if you tune into this podcast, one thing you can be sure of is that you'll walk away with three concrete examples of a product launch around a particular theme. And the hope too, is that you're able to learn something about product launches, have real examples you can walk away with, but actually learn something from each one so that, yeah, you get to, hopefully it's entertaining. Hopefully you vote for all of my examples and hope, but hopefully you walk away with like learning something about product launches in every episode. And I think one thing to, that we'll call out too is, 
Um, tune into the, like, stay until the end of this episode. And we'll talk about a contest where people who watch this first episode, if you take part in this contest, you can have a chance to win um, enrollment in our next cohort, which is coming up in March. So, so do that. Um, but what do you think? Like, let's, let's kick it off. Let's get into it. So we're, we're going to kick things off. I think Grayson's going to hop back on and tell us who's going to go first because we don't know who's going first. Dude, my heart is beating out of my chest right now. Who goes first? Well, I did randomize. I had the list. It was a short list. Three people. And I clicked randomize. And first we have Jason Oakley. Oh, no. (laughs) We didn't tell them about the timer, you guys. There's a timer. Oh, yeah. There is a timer. Grayson? So the timer, um, each person will have a limited time to present. Obviously, the banter will ensue. But they have seven minutes to present their idea or sorry that they present their product launch if their time is up they can't keep presenting they can maybe fight for a couple more seconds but seven minutes is the allotted time to present and then after we could talk about it but they have seven minutes all right let's do it so floor is yours for seven minutes jason three two one okay so the launch i want to talk about today my favorite launch of 2023 is loops so if you go to loops.so they are an email platform. They call themselves the email for modern software companies. Right? And uh, they say they're a better way to send marketing and transactional emails. So basically, they're a platform that you can use for email marketing, right? So you can replace HubSpot or Marketo or anything like that. Um, but also, they're, they're used for transactional emails. So like product teams, product builders can use it to like do the automated email sending in their platform. And so they launched... The reason that I, I, I want to talk about this launch is because they launched in September of 2023. So they launched like just before Q4 last year. But why I find this so interesting is that this was basically a launch that was two years in the making. So when they launched on September 20, September, I forget which specific day, they uh, launched on Product Hunt. They were Product Hunt launch of the day. So they got that. They, I think they were number one launch of the week. So hugely like a successful launch for, within that perspective. But... The way that they handled the pre-launch, and as you always talk about, Tamara, uh, Tamara, the rolling thunder that leads up to that, the way they handled this launch of their product was basically made it so that, yes, on launch day, super successful, but it was one blip on a much bigger, bigger launch strategy and process. So I'm going to talk about that. I basically have like a little timeline, and I'm going to walk you through the timeline of how Loops launched their product. I don't have time to go through every little piece. Um, but I want to just give you a sense of like what this whole launch process was like, because the whole time between, so first time they popped up on Twitter that I found was January 27th, 2022. This is when they announced that they were accepted to Y Combinator. And they they basically said like, they first started mentioning early access to their product and allowing people in. So it's almost two years in the making, this launch. So January 20, 27th, when they first popped up on Twitter in March, and they started doing these small kind of brand, more around brand campaigns to drive awareness around their early access, basically their wait list. And so the first one was March 7th. They did this thing where they launched on Product Hunt and they said, get your startup on a giant billboard in Times Square. So if someone emailed them with their logo and a tagline, they must have bought a block of time on a billboard in Times Square. And they basically just flashed up all these startups. So it was a really cool way for them to one, this went viral and they were able to generate a lot of buzz and interest around loops, but it was a way for them to start building their email list with startups, which was like what their focus was when they first started loops. So um, 
July 6, 2022, they did, they launched Loop Cereal. So basically their own custom cereal box. It's kind of like Fruit Loops, but it was their own brand of cereal. And they started sending this out to their early access customers. People were um, posting this online. Grayson, I'll get you a, bit, a picture of someone posting on Twitter of people sharing the box. So like generate a, again, buzz around loops, but it was a cool way to engage like their very, very early base of uh, early access users. And again, driving waitlist signups. They did a couple of other like small marketing projects, but I won't touch on any uh, on those right now. The one thing you start to see in August is they st you start to see some other early access users announcing their first send with loops. So they start to do more of this like early access, social proof. People are talking about using loops and all of this stuff is like generating buzz around loops and their early access list is growing. And the thing to note about this is that early access for them, they were actually charging people for early access. So Chris France, who's their, um, one of their founders and he's the CEO, he, uh, he basically was saying that you never really know unless the, if you have like product, true product market fit, or if people are willing to pay for your product, unless you explain it to them, pitch it to them, and then give them a sign up form to actually start paying for it. And so that's what they started doing. Um, and so the whole time they're in early access, they're actually generating revenue from these people. So um, one thing that happened in December, 2022 is review, which was like another um, email platform for startups, they uh, abruptly announced that they were going to shut it down. And what Loops did is they actually, when they knew there were going to be a lot of worried people and it was kind of a really newsworthy thing, they went to these people and they said, anyone who wants to jump our wait list can for the next 30 days if you sign up. So it was a cool way, again, to create awareness for Loops, but also to get a bunch of like the right fit customer onto their wait uh, onto their platform. Um, okay, let's fast forward. May 30th, they start talking about inviting more of like an official invite of their first waitlist batch. Um, and just give you a, a sense of the size of this waitlist. So on July 30th, they announced that they just sent 1,000 invites to their waitlist. So there are like thousands of people on this waitlist. And so, yeah, July 30th, they started sending these people invites. And the cool thing that they did, they actually had this thing they called the golden ticket. So anyone who was invited to their beta, they actually got like this digital ticket and people were getting excited about it, but also sharing this golden ticket on Twitter. So again, all of this stuff that they're doing over this like year and a half to two year period to one, build their email list, build a product that they know people are willing to pay for um, to generate like a ton of buzz. And, and basically what I love about this so much is that on September 2023, when they launched on Product Hunt, they already had thousands of users, like thousands of companies using their product. They already had revenue that they were generating. They knew that they had product market fit. And so to come first on product content on that day, it was kind of like a foregone conclusion. They involved their customer base, emailed them, got them involved. Um, and yeah, like I said, they got first on product content that day. They got uh, launch of the week during that week. And they've been taken off ever since. But that's it. The loops, the loops launch. What do you think? Tomorrow, what do you think? Yeah. Okay. So I love that Jason chose this example first because he had no idea about this. Um, but I actually know Chris and his co-founder, his name's Adam. And when I was at Unbounce as the chief strategy officer, I also was responsible for some M&A work, some like acquisition work. And we bought Chris and Adam's company. It was called Snazzy. It was an AI powered copywriting tool, very similar to like Jasper. And so I spent a lot of time with Chris and Adam and kind of understand how they think about growing businesses. 
And I will say that I truly think that Chris is one of the smartest founder marketers I've ever met. Like he totally gets how to drive virality, but not just chaotic virality. Because sometimes you go viral and you're like, well, that was pointless. It wasn't even our ICP. Uh, but I do feel like he has a really good understanding of how to drive morality, but also make it relevant to the business outcome. So fun fact that I think is kind of yeah. hilarious. Um, I, when I reached out to him and I was like, uh, hey, like I'm, we're doing this podcast. I'm going to talk about your product. Um, and I do, I'm do. i doing it with Tamara and Andy. And uh, his first response was like, does Tamara know you're doing this? <laughs> <laughs> no. like, and then he, he responded after me like, oh, yes, she does. I think it was the day we could get out there. So, um, yeah. so my favorite thing about this, is, and I've seen this with other companies too. So one, uh, something that it's, it's almost like a little secret, I feel like with a lot of different uh, SaaS companies is this like contest and or like awards play in order to get leads mm -hmm. and, you know, case studies out there. So for example, like the Times Square example um, where they uh, got a bunch of startups onto the Times Square billboard and they were essentially using that also as leads, like people to go after um, for, for the product. A similar thing that people do um, that at companies that I've been a part of, like with ClickUp and ZoomInfo, um, is to like put together some kind of like awards for your customer base, like oh, best use of this feature, best use of whatever. And uh, it's a great way of like showcasing that you... Uh, work with really great customers. You have some really notable customers without uh, having to go through the complicated legal process of getting permission for like a full on case study. And uh, because everyone knows like it's so much harder to actually get go through the process of like getting a full on case study with like an enterprise company, for example, or like a logo. Uh, but everybody wants an award or to be told that they're great. And so it's kind of like a way to like go around that whole complicated process and still say like, yeah, oh yeah, we're, we're working with all these great companies. Um, and so I, I've always, I've always been a really big fan of kind of like these sneaky, like roundabout ways of like getting leads or showing like case studies in, uh, in a way that's like just a bit more streamlined, uh, than you would normally uh, have to deal with. Yeah, they did. They did an awesome job in my opinion with social proof throughout the process. So like with, um, loop serial, right? They sent a box of it with what seems like to all the early access customers. And naturally they were just going to share it because it was so novel course, right? and, yeah. and, and cool. And, and by in doing that, they're, you know, obviously telling people they're a loops customer. And the other thing that you start to see, and it's a mix of their customers doing it, but loops doing it is using a new, like a customer sending their first email with loops as almost like a, a small launch. And so they're announcing these things and, and you see loops start to do it later on where if it's a notable company that's like pretty well known in the startup space, then making sure that they're announcing like so excited that, you know, company X is sending a first email with loops, which I thought was um, just really smart. Even at one point they, you know, they announced in May, 2023, they announced uh, 9 million email sends, right? And so it's just like social proof of them starting to see real volume. And yeah, their, their wait list was just, just yeah, it was growing like so fast. Um, I'm sure at some point there was pressure where they were like, oh, do we want to just open this up to everyone? Yeah, great pick, great pick. I heard a buzzer. Yeah, <laughs> I heard a buzzer. So I guess I could stop. All right, Grayson, so uh, who's up next? Well, can we get a drum roll, please? 
Tamara is next. Ooh, Tamara, Ooh. here we go. Okay. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> Get this. Three, two, one. Okay. So the launch I chose is from a company called Passion Fruit. So it's not the launch of the whole company. It's a product launch that they did last year. So a little different than Loops in that case. So Passion Fruit, if you don't know, it's a platform that helps creators manage their sponsorships. Their slogan is where creators do business, which I love, by the way. And essentially, if you're a creator, so if you have a newsletter or maybe on social, you have a large following, you can actually build a storefront that advertises your audience numbers, like your newsletter subscribers, the open uh, rate, the click-through rate, and then also the types of ads that are available for purchase and the rates of those ads. So they launched a product called Passion Fruit Discovery in November of 2023. And Discovery itself is basically a marketplace that connects creators and advertisers to each other to facilitate more advertising opportunities. And it's important to know that previously as a creator, you could create your storefront and you'd have to share the link elsewhere to be able to get the advertiser to come to it. So there wasn't really like a discovery element on the site. And Andy and I actually, I think, both use this tool. I don't know if Jason uses it as well. So I'm a customer, and or Jason does, great. So I'm a customer, and that's how I first even kind of saw this launch. So I've seen it both from the public perspective as an observer, but then also as a customer, and maybe some of the emails coming my way. And there's a few things I really liked about this campaign. So I've broken them down into a few themes. The first one is I think it's a pretty impressive campaign coming from a small team. Uh, the company itself only started in, I think, 2021. They have less than 19 employees, as far as I can tell, on LinkedIn. So I'm going to make the assumption that they have maybe one, maybe two people on the marketing or go-to-market team. And the launch, because it's a marketplace launch, it's actually a double-sided campaign, right? They need to market to both partners to get more partners on it, but then also market to creators to get them to engage product and uh, reach out to the different advertisers. So in some ways, it's almost double the effort, I think. So I loved that. <laughs> one other thing that I loved about it was that they built out loud. Building out loud was one of the main things I've been loving in the tech scene in general uh, recently. And not just building out loud, but also iterating based on how you're building along the way. So a little bit different than the Rolling Thunder, but similar concepts. So um, they had a beta launch in September, and because I'm a customer, I actually received the email inviting me to the beta, and I noticed a few different things. First, I noticed that the way that they were messaging this to partners or advertisers was completely different than how they were messaging it to customers. So for advertisers, it was called Passion Fruit Partner Network, and then also um, the net, uh, Passion Fruit for Partners. And first of all, the fact that they had two different names for that was confusing. But they, I got the concept, but it did feel very advertising heavy, right? Um, it felt like something that the partners need to opt into versus as a creator, like, how is this relevant for me? Um, but the email that I received as a customer, it said passion for discover. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Then when I noticed when they actually launched the product in um, November, they launched it for both sides as passion for discover. So I'm assuming that they took the feedback and they found a way to really make language work for both sides of the marketplace, which I think is important. Like it feels like one cohesive product. It doesn't feel like two separate products, one for partners, one for advertisers. 
Um, so how that kind of came to life was Discover Partners was the slogan for creators. And it says, explore an exclusive collection of partners ready to connect with you and to book partnerships. So then on the flip side, the value prop was Discover Creators. So exactly the same action verb. Find the right creators to reach your audience on all platforms. I just felt like between that time from beta to launch, it was maybe only two months, but I felt like they did a really good job of testing the value prop, testing the language, and kind of polishing up the name. The next thing they did was they doubled down on one channel, and that channel was Product Hunt. And as you guys know, I'm a big Product Hunt fan. Um, they were able to land the top three products of the day and the number two product of the week in the marketing cal uh, category. They got over 1,000 upvotes, which was pretty impressive, and tons and tons of comments. And the Product Hunt launch was really focused on the partner side of it, not the creator side, which I thought was smart. Like they really stuck to one ICP. And then the creator side was really done via like our channel marketing in email. But, um, and Jason, actually, you covered this on PMM Files. On launch day, they actually did some really cool live pivoting as well, which I loved. So they were sitting at about top three products of the day. They wanted to get to top product of the day. And so they actually created some really cute LinkedIn content where they're trying to get like a late date boost, get some engagement. Unfortunately, they didn't actually hit top, top spot of the day. They did uh, secure top three. But I thought so many people plan a launch. They ship the launch and then they kind of move on. And it was so clear that even on launch day, they were thinking strategically and were really listening to like customer and market feedback and evolving on the spot. So super impressive, again, from a very small team. Final one is that they created urgency and creating urgency is very difficult to do. Um, usually the launch of something means it's now available for everyone, but they actually provided a special offer for the first 48 hours for partners. So advertisers could essentially skip the wait list and join for free if they joined in that first 48 hours. After that, it would cost them $99 a month and they'd have to get in line in the wait list. And so I actually emailed the CEO of Passion Brute and he got back to me literally minutes before our call. And he said that um, during the product hunt launch week, they actually saw a 3X increase in signup rate from partners. And they do believe that that was because of how much effort they put into the product hunt launch and that urgency offer. So pretty impressive, I think. It's hard to drive that kind of an uptick. And the final thing I'll say, I see the time is running out, is I think this launch has a little bit of an Easter egg. And as a Swifty fan, I love an Easter egg. And so internally, this project was actually nicknamed Fruit Stand, which is so cute. But you'll notice that when you go in app, the icon for this product is a piece of fruit. And it's the only way place that like the piece of fruit actually shows up in passion fruit and so i think it makes a lot of sense and it's kind of like a cute playful element to the launch that i love and i'm out of time okay what do you guys Whoa. think great one great one right right down the wire um i love that one yeah i i love um passion fruit and like their marketing especially for a small team like you said it's like it's awesome i, I really what i found really interesting because i never thought about this a lot when i was covering it in pmm files is like the it's the two-sided like nature of the launch and the fact that you know it, and this is something that i felt where i was like how well how many if i'm in there as a creator how many partners are actually going to be in this thing and like the important thing is that it, when anytime a creator goes in there they see like a ton of partners 
right? And I think that that's, that I would assume that's probably why like they put most of their effort around, hey, we need to use this to drive awareness in partners and drive sign up for them. Um, because then when creators come on, they'll be a lot more sticky and they'll be more successful. But that's a chat. It's a, it's an interesting for like a launch like that where it does need to be two-sided. Um, I like how they approach it's it. It's like that, that cool. uh, like network effects kind of a thing. It's like, and it's, uh, you know, the, what Andrew Chen has coined, like the cold start problem well, that takes place with a lot of marketplaces where, yeah, like to your point, right? Like you have two groups and this product is only good if you have a lot of both of them. Like you can't just have like a ton of creators, no partners. You can't just have a ton of partners, no creators. Uh, it doesn't work that way. And so you have to be really specific about who you market to. And I feel like um, other companies, you know, that face this same problem is it's a, it's usually social media platforms because you need a ton of people in there at one time in order to find value. And so I remember like, you know, Facebook they would go into like different college campuses like at a time to try to get a ton of people involved because if your classmates aren't on Facebook, right, what's the whole point of you joining Facebook? And so in this case, it seems like product hunt was really like the big catalyst for getting a ton of people involved and, uh, you know, really increasing users on both like the creator side and the partner side. But the other thing that struck me about this too was um, this is just like classic persona marketing you know at the end of the day like you have two very distinct groups you can't market to them in the same way you can't market in the same places in a lot of cases and so uh, I thought it was really interesting to kind of hear how they um, tackled each of them individually but also brought them together which I think is is actually the secret sauce here because you can not easily but you can market to two different audiences in two different places but to make it feel like one product with like the way that they play on the word discover, that was what was so powerful to me about it. Yeah, discover is a great word for that because it's partners discovering creators, creators discovering partners. Like it makes a lot of sense. And and I remember noticing the part, like the old partner language back when they had it and how that kind of changed when they got to launch. It's interesting, you know, just to see two different products on launches. And Andy, your point about persona marketing, it's like, you know, we're, we're all kind of in the B2B world. There are some B2B products that make sense on product hunt and there are some that don't, right? And it all depends on who you're trying to mark, like who you're trying to reach. Um, yeah. I've never done a product hunt launch. Have you, Jason? I know tomorrow you have. I've done, I've done one, yeah. You did one? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when it, was, it was like a small I, startup. I really want to. I, it yep. sounds really fun, but it seems like a ton of, it's, I feel like it's a ton more work than you anticipate. Is that it true? Actually, there's a formula to it and there's a lot of things you can and can't do. And it, yeah, it's a challenge. Like the one thing I will say about product hunt is you need to launch it at like 1201 PST. So you need to pull an all nighter. So yeah. at a minimum, you need to be committed to a small team being there all night long. Yeah. No, yeah. it sounds like a lot of fun, but yeah, a ton of work. And obviously it, it pays off considering um, like the numbers that you're talking about, both Tamara and Jason. That's that's yeah. cool. Okay. Is that, are we just going right into it, Grayson? How, how do we want to do this? We'll have to count you in. We'll, we'll count you in. Oh, all right. <laughs> Easy. Count, count me in. All right. But this is the last one. So. Oh, Three, two, one. Okay, so I have a little bit of an unconventional 
launch that I wanted to talk through. So this is about DC, as in DC Comics. So the company that owns Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, those kinds of superheroes. And before I dive into this launch, um, I actually want to set the stage a little bit. I want to talk about Marvel, more specifically the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? What, what, what can we say about the MCU that hasn't already been said yet? Like we all know that how huge the MCU is. So it'd be pretty uh, awful to have them as a competitor, but let's, let's go through some stats here. So the MCU is the seventh highest grossing franchise of all time, all time. Revenues are at $40.8 billion, despite being established only in 2008. So, you know, in the past 16 years. Going, they, who, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Andy. Give the man some time back. But who's above them? What are, what are uh, we talking oh, it's about? Like, that's, that's a good question. This is, this is straight from Wikipedia, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> best franchises of all time. Hold on, hold on. It's like Pokemon, you know, Hello Kitty. Yeah, oh, it's God. you know Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, like those, Fair. like it's okay. in like that kind of like echelon of, of franchises. Okay, so huge, right? Um, and I would say that like they've really single handedly changed the cinematic landscape, you know, since the early or like mid two thousand tens, right? I think we all like were were around and very familiar with the fact that it seemed like every single movie for a minute was a superhero movie. And not only that, it seemed like everyone was going to them. Like you had to go to every single one to be a part of this, this cinematic universe. And so naturally, you know, with all that going on, it would seem like this would be a home run for any studio that specializes in superhero movies, right? Let alone, you know, if you own Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, these all, all of these household names, this should be like a very great era for you, right? Well, unfortunately... That is not how it turned out for DC's extended universe. So since their start in 2013, so five years after the MCU was established, they really stumbled a lot. So here are some of their stumbles. They really underperformed at the box office consistently. And I'm talking $6 billion total across 14 movies. And again, compare that to $40.8 billion for the MCU. So huge difference. Uh, inconsistent executive leadership. Unlike Marvel, who's really had the same creative leadership since the very beginning. So you have that kind of consistent vision throughout the MCU. You don't have that with the DCEU. And then also you have a core cast of superheroes that are actually leaving their shows. So like Ben Affleck, he left being Batman after like five years. Henry Cavill, he left being Superman after a handful of years. You don't usually get that. Like you had Robert Downey Jr. He was, he was Iron Man for well over a decade. And so the fact that you have these very well-known actors leaving these iconic superhero roles something's wrong right um and i could tell you, you know, I, I could play like movie critic and i could try to explain to you why the dc eu failed but you know this is a show about product marketing so i'll cut to the chase right so in the beginning of 2023 a video was posted by the new co-ceo of dc studios james gunn and he had only recently joined dc studios but with this one simple video, I think he really single-handedly reinvigorated the brand and gave fans something to actually look forward to after so many years of disappointment. And something that really I think any company can learn from, whether you're a media brand, a B2B software company, it doesn't really matter. Like there's a lot that you can pull from this. And there's four, or excuse me, three differentiators in this video that I caught that I wanted to cover. 
Um, so the first differentiator is just the video itself, like the medium. Um, and here's what I mean by that. So usually we'll see Marvel make really huge sweeping announcements and previews for their movies at Comic-Con. It'll be a huge deal. There'll be tons of press coverage. The actors from the movies will all be there interviewing about their role. It's a massive production. But we don't get that with this video from James Gunn. He literally is just sitting in front of a camera speaking to the audience, to the viewers. And so we're removing like all the excess noise, all the barriers to the entity that is DC. And we're hearing directly from the person who's making all of the big decisions. It's kind of like a reintroduction. And this normally might not be a great idea, but in this video, you can see like really his like genuine excitement and passion for leading the project. And it's like a breath of fresh air. So you can kind of be like, oh, okay. Like I can trust this guy. Like I'm, I'm kind of curious to see like where this goes. Okay. So that's one. The second piece is the actual product and the packaging that he announces. So for context, the MCU is really just that. It's a cinematic universe, meaning it's limited to just movies. But in this video that James Gunn is talking in, um, he announces plans to really connect DC's cinematic universe to other mediums like video games and animation with the same actors that are playing the same characters. So there's consistency. Usually you don't get that with, uh, with other you know comic book superhero actors, that kind of a thing. And he announced that there's going to be movies outside of that connected universe. So um, you don't have to go to a movie without being worried about like missing context from like a dozen other movies that came before it. That's really big for me. Sometimes I just want to go and see like an incredible Hulk movie without worrying about like some other like superhero coming in or some other like Easter eggs that like I'm not even like I, I just want to see Hulk punching someone. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm a simple man. I just want to see the Hulk punching someone. <laughs> Uh, the third, the third differentiator is the messaging. So when, uh, he's describing movies that aren't name brands, for example, like Batman, Superman, things that we all know, um, he compares the projects with other really well-known media. So like true detective game of Thrones, and this gives people something like to really like latch onto, even if they aren't familiar with the IP. So the TLDR, um, is really that, you know, we have a major brand out there. They fell flat on their face and they woke up, decided to do something different. That's why I think that this is like really one of the best launches. Cause you don't see these big companies doing something different, taking a big swing and trying to change something. And, uh, he actually mentions this in the video multiple times that he's trying to do something different. So that's my spiel. I got fired up from watching this video. I'm not even a massive Marvel or DC fan, but I just love a good underdog story. And this video really tells me that there's hope for the DC fans. So I'm rooting for them. Tamara, Jason, what do you think? I think I gotta watch that video. Yeah, yeah, It'll me too. Show notes. Yeah. Grayson will put yeah, it in the we show. Should, I, even if you like take a break in the podcast, just show it. Yeah. Um, so that so then the the idea is that there were they was this did this video come with like a new film or of some kind or is it a launch of like the new DC basically? I think it was it was like that. Um, I think it yeah. came out like around the same time as a. Uh, Shazam Fury of Gods, which, you know, I, I, I did not see that movie. So, but, so I think he mentions it like, oh, I hope everyone yeah. enjoys that movie. But it was really like he had just come on. Honestly, I think, okay, now that I'm like thinking back to it, there was this big kind of ordeal around. It was right after Black Adam had come out with The Rock. They had just made sure. these big announcements about like, oh, Henry Cavill's gonna, he's gonna come in. He's gonna be back as Superman. But then like they're, they were like, no, like we can't just keep on doing like the same thing, trying to think that it's going to actually work. 
They brought in James Gunn and he was like, no, we're going to wipe the slate clean. We're going to introduce like a new way of doing things. And so that was the whole, I think, right. reason or like to, to actually come on and like kind of reinvigorate the brand. Yeah. Nice. Well, the, obviously it worked on you. Was the, was the, the, the DC fan base like pumped about it? Yeah. So go, if you go to the comments, I mean, of course you're going to have some, some trolls. It's a, it's a YouTube video, but like, I think right. predominantly people, James Gunn has a lot of, I think, respect uh, from some of the other movies that he's directed. He was the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, which a lot of people really enjoyed. He did the new uh, Suicide Squad for DC, which was one of the better uh, received DC uh, movies that came out um, under the DCEU. And so I think just generally he has a lot of respect in people. At, if you look at the comments, I think the sentiment is mostly positive. That's inter It's interesting to think about... So. A B2B SaaS example that this reminds me of is uh, Clearbit. Do you remember when Clearbit, like six months ago or so, their CEO came out? It was like not long before they got acquired, but yeah. he he did this whole like, we've lost our way. Yeah. We were going to, we're the new and improved, like we're going to change things at, uh, at Clearbit. I think it was Clearbit, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I remember that. Yep. Yeah. It, it's interesting because it makes me think of that, right? Because it's like for the, the hope is that it reinvigorates, sounds like, this example at DC was a lot, a lot better, more impactful than the Clearbit one. But it, it's in, it's interesting to see a company admit that they did it wrong or that they lost their way, and to come back and to like, to how do you, how do you change course? It's 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 kind of like you're launching the new, the it's new like rebrand almost. Yeah, re like, yeah, like, you know, in a different way, different reasoning. Like no one can just go out and like do this. You know what I mean? You have it. It's unfortunate, but like, yeah, you, you kind of have to experience some issues or there has to be like some kind of like tumultuous reason that like brought you there. But I, I appreciated their response to those yeah. events. You know what this triggered for me It is similar to what you're saying, Jason, but I actually thought of like the manifesto, you know, that launch technique or launch tactic in tech where um, sometimes it is like net new companies who are like, I believe in a different way and that's why we now exist. But oftentimes a manifesto is used by a company who does exist, who is looking to either create a new category or pivot into a new line of business or correct some mistakes from the past. So I don't quite know the clear bit examples. I don't know if he had a manifesto, but I think we've all seen manifestos before. And it's like, it really made me think about what you were saying, Andy, which was um, there's a vision there's an old world and a new world or an old way of doing things and a new way of doing things. And the new way seems to be um, unlike anything else that might exist and future focused where the manifesto in tech isn't really something um, that is connected to a product launch, but it's seeding the market for future product launches, which sounds like the example here. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It's like you... Yeah, you, you you almost use it like in place of a of a launch to like say like hey here's like what you can expect here's like what's coming. I think um it's funny we're talking about this a lot um right now at Apollo, but just talking through like what does it mean to um be a mark a product marketing team if like you're not shipping product every single week. Like what can you still do to like drum up attention on the product adoption activation even if you don't have like a new like crazy tier one feature coming out every single week. Um, you know, sometimes startups or scale ups, they go through periods where they're shipping just a ton of net new stuff. 
And then sometimes you have uh, like maintenance modes or like times where you're kind of cleaning stuff up. And uh, it's a great exercise to kind of figure out, okay, like what are some other marketable moments that you can create uh, without an actual product to pair with it? Good. Love it. Yeah, that's cool. All right, cool. So in either case, I think I think that's it. That's the three of us. So what do we do I, now? Is it, is it voting time? <laughs> we get to vote. Yeah, so how do we uh, feel? I think we're going to vote. Um, yeah. And I think because, you know, we have people who are watching us. We have people who are listening. So we're going to do like a countdown. And then we're all going to say what, like the name of the launch that we thought was best. Is that and should sense? we should we tell them bef- about the contest before? Okay, sure, sure. Yeah. Tell, tell them about, about the contest. Okay. Okay. So you tell them. You tell Go them. Go ahead, <laughs> Tell them about the contest. Hold on. So, okay. For the first episode, this is going to be different than every other episode. But for the first episode, we want to hear from you on who you think won uh, the best launch of 2023. And to do so, we want you to subscribe to the pod wherever you listen to podcasts. And then go on LinkedIn, which is one of our preferred channels, and create a post telling us which uh, who you think with, why, either by name or by the product launch name, and use the hashtag ready for launch. And then each of us are going to choose someone, and they're going to actually get a free enrollment to our next course. Um, it is a live cohort-based course ready for launch where we share tons more examples like this and also templates and tools on how to actually apply this in your own so that's the contest. We'll remind you in the show notes as well so you know exactly what to do. But like, I mean, I care what the audience thinks, but I also want I also want to win right now. So let's let's get to some voting. Okay. All right. So so as a reminder, we have loops from Jason. We have uh, a passion fruit from Tamara, and mine was DC. And one other caveat: you can't pick yourself. So we have to pick somebody. Else. I have to pick either Jason or Tamara. Tamara has to pick either Jason or me. You know, so that's that's how this goes. And we're going to do a countdown. We're going to say the specific company uh, that won this launch. And it's going to be three, two, one. Boom. All right. So are we ready? Okay. Give me give me 10 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Get 10 seconds. So Jason, we, we have some deliberation time. So Grayson, you can put in some Jeopardy uh, waiting music. So uh, Jason can have his his time to think through everything. He can deliberate. Oh, the man's. He feels good. You got two thumbs up from Jason. Okay, here we go. So, are we ready? Here's the countdown. Three, two, one. Passion fruit. Passion fruit. Tomorrow wins. Okay, we have passion fruit. Well done, uh, passion fruit. Up, Tamara. Best launch. I will be uh, readily awaiting for my award to arrive <laughs> in the mail. Can we get an applause? Okay, so why, did you, why did you both choose passion crew i mean beyond my uh influential uh, debate skills of course yeah it, that was fantastic uh to be honest yeah. uh, i think for, so for one. me personally it just seems like a, it's it the most challenging to really nail because of the two-sided marketplace especially when you're starting from scratch um i just think it can be so challenging to especially with a small team to really like nail those two personas nail a platform and uh you know, get the product right do a product con so in any other case i just thought that it was a lot to execute on and i thought they did a great job yeah yeah i know I, I was a huge fan of that when they were launching it i remember just kind of watching it even on their launch day when they were doing the different kind of like pivoting in real time and, and kind of reacting to what's happening i just thought it was 
it was really good. It just felt hustle was like the right word around the launch and like how much they were hustling. And it seemed like a company wide effort. I know they're a smaller company, so it's, it 100% was a company wide effort, but it's just fun to see those types of launches. Totally. Love it. Well, also congrats to Passion Fruit on doing such an amazing launch. And thank you so much to our audience for listening in or watching on our first episode. We're super excited to take you along this journey, chatting about a ton of different launches and breaking down why they work and maybe even what we would do differently. And thank you again to the Confit Network powered by Clue. We'll see you on the next episode. Later. <laughs>